Yes, generous God, we are reminded once again of your wonderful kindness to us in giving us your Son, Jesus Christ, that through him we might know reconciliation to you, that through him we might know the power and strength of your Spirit equipping us to live lives which please you, to become more and more like him. Father, we thank you for these gifts that have been given uh, tonight and, and all those given through the week as well. And we pray that you would use them so that many more might know the wonderful gift of Jesus Christ in their lives. As we come to your word now, we ask you'd be present with us by your spirit. Soften our hearts, open our ears that we might hear what you have to say to us. And Lord, bind us together in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, please do take a seat. And please keep your Bibles open at that passage in Colossians chapter 3, page 1184 of the Church Bibles. Some years ago, uh, in my previous job, I enrolled as an officer in the cadet force at the school where I was teaching. It's not quite the same as becoming a soldier, um, but I did join the army. Um, I was given a uniform, and uh, I got a Ministry of Defence ID card. There it is. Um, it even tells you how tall I am, if you look carefully. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, I had the uniform. I had the ID card. Uh, there was no question that I was in and yet the army still took time to train me, alongside other new officers, uh, to teach us and, and equip us so that we might know what it meant to be in the British army, so that we might know what it looked like to be an officer representing the crown. Before long, I, I found myself on a training course, being taught the values of the British army. They are, if you're interested, Courage, discipline, respect for others, integrity, loyalty, and selfless commitment. And just look at how the army describes those values in their leadership training material. To us, they say, courage, discipline, respect for others, integrity, loyalty, and selfless commitment are much more than words on a page. They are what the British army stands for and what sets us apart from society. The army's values are part of good leaders who live them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, whatever the situation. The uniform, the ID, they marked my membership of the army. But it was the values which I lived by 24-7 which were to show what the army was about. And if you've been with us over the last few weeks, well, then you'll know that, that we've been working our way through the book of Colossians in our 7 p.m. services. And you'll know that the Apostle Paul's central message to the church in Colossae is that Christ is enough. He is enough to secure our entry into the people of God. We have no need of, of fine-sounding philosophies or religious rituals. Christ is enough. 
And we've seen too that, that Christ is enough for us to go on, to, to live out our lives as those who are in God's family. Just as we entered in by him, so we can carry on by him, rooted and built up in him. Christ is enough. And so last week we heard that, that by his death and resurrection, Christ has secured for us a new identity. Our membership of, of his family. And as members, we've been given a new wardrobe. A new uniform by which we might be identified as his. We're to put off the old ways. They're not our style anymore. And we're to put on the new ways. Ways which fit and, and suit the members of God's household. And so Colossians up to this point has, if you like, shown us that if we are following Christ, then we have the ID card. We are in. And we have the uniform. We look the part. And so now Paul turns, if you like, to the family values. Values that will, will show what the church of Christ stands for. Values that will set us apart from society. Values that we are called to live by 24-7. Whatever the situation and so he begins verse 12 by letting us know what those values are. Therefore, he says, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, as those who are in, who have this new identity, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Compassion kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Friends, those are the family values. That is what it looks like to be a card-carrying Christian, to wear the uniform, to represent our, our Lord and Savior in our day-to-day -day lives. Not as a means of earning our place. No, Christ is enough for that. But simply as a means of living out what we have now become. Of living in accordance with our new identity in him. Compassion. Kindness. Humility. Gentleness. And patience. Those will be the marks that will run through the lives of those who are in Christ Jesus. That is how we will be known as those who have received Christ Jesus as Lord. That is what it will look like to continue to live our lives in him, rooted and, and built up in him. And so for the rest of our passage this evening, the Apostle Paul sketches out what those values will look like as they are lived out. First in our church family, and then second in our earthly families. So let's turn first to the church, verse 13. Bear with each other, and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, those who are in Christ Jesus are part of of the grand global gathering of God's people. The church with a, a capital C. People of every nation, tribe, people, and language who will one day gather around the throne of grace to sing Christ's praises for all eternity. But until that day, the members of God's family here on earth find themselves gathered together in smaller, more local assemblies. Churches with a small C, gathering in homes, in in school halls, in ancient stone cathedrals, in modern steel constructions like this. What matters is not where they gather, but who they gather as. It is as we come together, as local expressions of, of God's global family, as we relate to one another, interact and engage with one another, as we live alongside one another. It's as we do that that we will begin to see what a community marked by compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience will look like. There's no pretense that 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 will always be easy or that we'll always get it right. The forgiveness called for in verse 13 presumes that there is something to forgive. The teaching and admonishing required in verse 16 reveals the ongoing need to grow in wisdom and understanding and grace. And yet look at the beauty of the relationships described here. We are to to bear with each other, to forgive one another. To know unity as as members of one body, we are to to teach and admonish one another. Do you see how much of the focus is is on the other? On how we might serve and and love and, and care for each other. What a radical contrast to those verses earlier in chapter 3 which described our old way of relating in selfish, self-centered anger, lust, and greed. But this beautiful corporate life is not ours by our own efforts or willpower. No, here, just as everywhere else in this letter, Christ is enough. We are to forgive as the Lord forgave us. We are to put on love as those who are dearly loved by God. And it is the peace of Christ which is to rule in our hearts, and the message of Christ, which is to dwell among us. It is as we put Christ at the center of our daily lives, at the center of our corporate life as a church, that we will begin to see compassion and kindness, humility and gentleness, patience worked out in this, his community. And so, dear friends, it is Christ 
whom we must make central each and every time we meet. In our songs, in our teaching, in our thanksgiving, in every interaction we have with each other, he is enough to make this church into a beautiful expression of his global church. He is enough to bind us in, in all our rich diversity, to bind us together in perfect unity as one body called to peace. And he is enough as we seek to live out our identity in him beyond our weekly gatherings, in everything that we do, in all that we are, including in our earthly families. Verse 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. as he continues to, to sketch out what the values of the family of God will look like, lived out. Paul provides here something that would have been pretty familiar to his first readers. These verses read like a household code, a set of instructions that, that lay out how the relationships and responsibilities of a household ought to look. Ancient Greek and, and Roman writers would regularly put forward their codes to express what they saw as, as good order within this crucial unit of societal living. But whilst the concept and, and the format of these verses may have been familiar to the first century readers of Colossians, we must recognize that the content of this passage would have been quite astonishing. Sure, there are elements of this passage that our culture today finds challenging, and we'll come to those in a moment. But let's not miss that these instructions would have been profoundly challenging to the prevailing culture in the first century Roman Empire as well. First, the fact that every member of the household is addressed directly. 
Many contemporary household codes would, would simply have instructed the head of the house in how he was to order his affairs and what he could expect from those under his authority. If the other members of the household were mentioned, it, it would only be in passing. And yet here, each member of the household is spoken to directly. And what's more, within each pair of relationships, the man of the house comes second. It is the wife, the child, the slave who is addressed first. Each worthy of dignity and value in and of themselves. After all, it is only a few verses ago that Paul declared here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It was a message of, of radical inclusion for the first century. Where so often those who held little or no power were dismissed as, as somehow less than human. Here, the church was to boldly proclaim the equality of all human beings before their creator and savior. Our value does not come from the position or status that our society affords us, but rather from our creator and Lord, from our redeemer and savior. The wives and children and slaves in the Colossian church were every bit as much a part of God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, as were their husbands and fathers and masters. But second, look too at the instructions given to those men. The husbands were to love and, and not be harsh with their wives. The fathers were not to embitter or discourage their children. The masters were to give what was right and fair to their slaves. There is no room here for those in authority, those with power, to use that position for their own selfish gain. Where the Roman world lauded those who, who used their influence for self-advancement, to crush and, and to dominate those they ruled. Here the church is urged to see the household as a place where compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience were the order of the day. Even those in charge, no, especially those in charge, were to use their power and influence, their, their authority and agency to serve others, to love others, to display Christ. Oh, these were radical, challenging, and, and countercultural verses for those first century Christians who first heard them. What a stir must have rippled through the congregation in Colossae as they were first read out. But, friends, I'm not so foolish or insensitive as to ignore the fact that these verses also cause a stir when they're read in our congregations today, and for very different reasons. We simply do not have time this evening to say all that could or, or maybe that should be said 
about a Christian view of marriage and parenting, nor to address in full the, the question of, of the church's response to slavery. I hope that as a church family, we feel able to carefully consider and discuss these matters. And that as we do, that we will see those very discussions as an opportunity to put into practice the values we've so, seen so clearly laid out in the earlier part of our passage. And so please, bear with me this evening if I put anything clumsily or carelessly. Please forgive me if something I say or something I fail to say grieves you. I pray as we come to these verses that the peace of Christ may rule in our hearts, since as members of one body we were called to peace. And as we do wrestle with these words, I think we need to acknowledge just how much our response to these verses will have been shaped by our own culture. By the culture that, that we grew up in and, and by the culture that we now find ourselves immersed in. Human beings across the world and through time have not always come to the same conclusions that we do about, matter, about what matters about what our priorities should be in this life. We ought to be humble enough to realize that, that our response to these verses will likely be rooted in our understanding of, of all sorts of complex concepts and ideas. Ideas such as submission, power, freedom, and human dignity. There will be all sorts of, of underlying assumptions that we may need to challenge and, and reconsider. If, for example, we buy into the prevailing culture of our day, which says that human happiness can only be found in independent freedom, or that, that anyone who subordinates himself or herself to another is thereby diminished as a person, well, if we believe either of those things, well, then of course we will find these verses intolerably offensive. But however popular both of those views may be, we know that they are lies. One glance at the life of Christ will be enough to show that. He gave himself willingly to others. And in giving up his freedom, he knew joy unbound as he perfectly fulfilled his Father's will. Friends, the gospel of Jesus Christ is profoundly rooted in the idea of being willing to give up our rights, to lay down our lives in the service of others, and to know that freedom, true freedom, is to be found only in surrendering ourselves fully to our Lord and Savior. Now that challenges the individualism of the modern West to the very core. And we must also be careful not to divorce these verses from the rest of the letter to the Colossians. 
Remember, they are precisely an outworking of the family values that we are now called to have as God's chosen people. We are to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It is appalling that these verses have sometimes been used by men to excuse their self-centered and abusive behavior as they demand that their wives, their children, serve their interests, meet their needs, bow to their authority. Nothing could look more ugly and out of place on one who claims to follow Jesus Christ. And the abhorrent and shameful abuses of the transatlantic slave trade, which denigrated human beings to, to little more than cattle, sometimes to less than cattle, simply because of the color of their skin, finds not a shred of support here nor anywhere else in Scripture. To suggest otherwise is to monstrously misrepresent our gracious and compassionate God and is to willfully ignore the unfathomable price that our loving Savior, Jesus Christ, willingly paid in order to reconcile to himself people of every tribe and tongue and language. And yet we must wrestle with what these verses do say to us with where they do challenge our thinking and our culture. You see, I think there is something deeply significant about the reason that Paul gives both to slave and to master for them to behave as we read here. Slaves, verse 23, were to work as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Why? since they knew they would receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. And likewise, masters were, were to do what was right and fair. Why? Because they knew that they also have a master in heaven. Do you see? The whole picture that has been painted, the entire understanding of the Christian life in the church and in our households, it is all cast in the light of those first verses of chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That radically changes things. That transforms how we see every area of life. Our passions, our, our desires, our priorities, our purpose. That really challenges how we view our freedoms and our rights. John Woodhouse puts it well when he says this. He says, our new life in Christ is very different from our culture's notions of liberation and happiness. 
those who have died with Christ and have been raised with Christ and will appear with him in glory are to live lives of compassion, not freedom from the demands of others. Kindness, not self-centered independence. Humility, not superiority. Gentleness, not assertiveness. Patience, not impatience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. Above all, the new life in Christ puts on love. Only with this radical understanding of life as Christ shapes it can we sensibly approach the particulars of family life in Christ. Whoever we are, whatever situation we find ourselves in, Whatever our status in this world, Christ is enough. We don't need to grasp for power that we don't have. We don't need to abuse the power that we do have. Christ is enough. We, each of us, will need to work through how we might see these verses worked out in our own lives. And I'd encourage us to do that together with our church family, letting the message of Christ dwell among us richly as we teach and admonish one another. But at the very least, we do need to answer this question. Will we take on our new identity? Will we wear the new uniform? And will we live out the family values in the spirit's strength in every area of our lives? Knowing that in Jesus Christ, we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Will we clothe ourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Let us ask for God's help to do that wherever he would have us, in whatever circumstances we find ourselves, whatever we do, whether in word or deed. Let us do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Almighty God, we come before you this evening and ask the word of Jesus Christ might dwell among us richly as a church family. That we might know what it is in every area of our lives to clothe ourselves with compassion, 
kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. My Lord, in your kindness, by your Spirit, give us grace and strength to do that when we find it hard. My Lord, in your kindness, by your Spirit, and through our brothers and sisters, give us wisdom to know best how we might apply your word in a culture that pays it no attention. And Lord, in your kindness, by your spirit, lead us to repentance where we get it wrong. That we might be those who are known for our compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. To the glory of Christ Jesus our Lord. In his name. Amen.